0: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick Glimsdahl, and I want to welcome you to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. My guest today is Denise Lee Yan. Denise is the go-to expert on brand leadership for national media outlets, an in-demand speaker and consultant, and an influential writer. In addition to her most recent book, Fusion, she is the author of the best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand-Building Principles That Separate the Best from the Rest, and the ebook Extraordinary Experiences, What Great Retail and Restaurant Brands Do. She, is, she has contributed to the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and among others. Denise initially cultivated her brand-building approaches through several high-level positions in Burger King, Land Rover, Jack-in-the-Box restaurants, and Sony Electronic Inc. A few of her consulting clients include Target, Oakley, and Dunkin' Donuts. Denise, welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast.
1: I'm so excited to be with you, Nick. Thank you.
0: You are welcome. So um, I always try to find a little uh, nugget of what people might not know about you, and um, I was surprised to see the things that I found on your website. Uh, You (laughs) hiked the Everest Base Camp, you danced with a professional ballet company, and Flew a helicopter. That is, um, one of those alone is impressive, but uh, so that's, that's, it sounds like a whole nother podcast, but um, of that, what was your favorite of those three and, and why?
1: Right. Um, well, it's hard to pick, but I would probably say um, flying a helicopter and, and actually solo flying. Um, the professional ballet experience was when I was very young, and, and that was probably very hard at the time, but I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. And um, ever base camp I did just last year, which was difficult, but it was more like just kind of you needed to have the perseverance to just keep on going. But flying a helicopter, if anyone has ever done it, you know that Um, all four of your appendages, both arms and both legs or feet are doing different things to fly this thing. And even for the most coordinated, it's really difficult. So I'm probably most um, proud of that accomplishment.
0: Wow, that is is amazing. I I had the opportunity to to fly a Cessna 150 of a a, a boss a a couple, um, Mm. maybe five, five to eight years ago or so it's been a while. But um i didn't realize that um uh, he basically said hey you're you're next to me take the reins right and my have I, I i white-fingered white-knuckled <laughs> holding onto this thing <laughs> and then he finally told me i could let go and i go i'm not letting letting go and it actually balanced itself out uh so I actually didn't wasn't really doing anything, but uh, it felt like I was really important. <laughs> but uh, the the main topic today I wanted to talk about was your book, the Fusion. So how integrating brand and culture powers the world's greatest companies, and this book provides the roadmap for increasing competitive uh, competitiveness, creating measurable value for customers and employees, and future proofing your business. Uh, but yeah. before we get started, what what made you decide to write the book Fusion?
1: Yeah. Well, there was a a, a, um, a kind of more personal experience I had and then um, also an observation I had made about what was going on in business. The personal experience was that um, I've been working with clients for many years on customer experience and brand building. And I had a a client that had brought me in one year to help them kind of refresh their brand positioning and start them on the journey towards uh, designing customer experience. And the next year, they brought me in to work on their culture and their employee experience Mm. and what became very clear was that they thought these were two separate things that their brand and customer experience had really nothing to do with their culture and employee experience and based on everything that I've learned and everything I believe those two are must be you know intertwined and and, um, mutually reinforcing and so I thought and and this is a was the client was a national grocery store chain so I thought if a company of this size and stature doesn't understand the need to integrate brand and culture probably others don't as well so that was kind of what I experienced personally as I was observing what was going on in the business world I I believe there was a growing importance of culture it's been growing for the last maybe five years or so where people are realizing whether it's because of the war for talent or the demand for more authentic diversity and inclusion um, or, or you know even the crises that we've seen, um, there's been a lot of interest in culture building, but most of the books out there prior to Fusion didn't really show people how to actually build a culture, like what kind of culture should you have and then how do you go about cultivating it? And so I wrote Fusion to be a real resource for culture building.
0: Yeah. Well, before we get into uh, building a culture, which I want to ask next, but do all companies have a culture?
1: Yeah, I think so. Now, um, whether it's on purpose or by accident, I think you do because (laughs) culture is really you know the um, kind of attitudes and beliefs and and, um, behaviors that um, people express within an organization. So, um, you know, your your employees and your leadership are living in a culture. But like I said, it may not be the one that you want it to or intend for it to be.
0: Mm, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of talked about building a culture. It's obviously not uh, the, the beer fridge or, uh, hey, you're, you get to wear shorts or, or sweatpants on Fridays um, or, you know, whatever uh, crazy perk you might be able to come up with. But what does it take to build a culture?
1: Yeah, Nick, that's a great question, particularly in the context that we're operating in right now, where many companies are still having at least a portion of their workforce, if not all of their workforce, working remotely. So to your point, even if you thought that you know having a you know break room stocked with you know free beer, or um, if you thought that like ha- allowing your employees to do casual Fridays, you know th- whether that those things will build your culture, th- that's no longer relevant for a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I actually um, you know, think that it, this, is, um, this is a moment of awakening for business leaders to understand really what is culture and how do you cultivate it. And, and a, a kind of in that statement that I just said is really one of the first steps that, um, that is required, and that is for the leadership of an organization to accept their responsibility for culture building. This is not something that you can delegate just to your HR people, but it's something that you must champion, you must believe in, you must communicate, role model, and and design and run your organization to cultivate the kind of culture you want. So it starts with kind of the strategic leadership responsibility. And then I will say, you know, then um, kind of next uh, or maybe kind of in conjunction with with that uh, strategic leadership um, responsibility is clarifying what your overarching purpose and core values are for your organization. You have to know what kind of culture you want. And every organization is different. So Mm -hmm. every culture is going to be different. And so you need to identify the culture that's going to work for you and your organization and for the results you want to produce.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to dig into more of that. Um, But one, I I recently read that, uh, according to Gallup, that 70% of workers are unengaged in their organization. Why is that?
1: Gosh, um, (laughs) there are so many reasons. And I, I will say that the latest data from Gallup that just came out within the last couple of weeks showed that the um, percentage of, of employees that are, who are unengaged is actually, has actually grown in mm. recent weeks be, um, through the pandemic as well as through all of the um, uh, tensions over social justice and mm-hmm. racial inequity. Um, so we're talking about a vast majority of your, of your workforce not being engaged. And I think that a lot of it has to do with not being able to connect my daily work to what the organization is all about. And so again, if you, if you have a, a, an overarching purpose that speaks to the contribution that you want your organization to make in the world, the thing that, the dent in the universe that Steve Jobs talked about, um, mm-hmm. if you have that you know, clear, compelling, overarching purpose, that's a great first step. But then you need to make sure that everyone in your organization understands how they're contributing to that purpose, how, what they're doing on a daily basis really matters. So I think a lot of the um, unengagement has to do with just kind of maybe feeling like I'm, I I don't know why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Does it really matter? Um, Am I getting, am I getting uh, recognized for the contribution I'm making? Um, You know, there are probably lots of other reasons, but that's the one that really stands out to me.
0: Yeah. So maybe not even just have the the mission, uh, vision values uh, stuck up in the boardroom or or uh, other places on the website, but actually getting people involved on what their why is and why it's important. Um, it sounds like that's kind of the, the first step um, outside of just saying, hey, you get a paycheck every week because that's the way we've always done it, uh, but actually have a purpose right.
1: behind it. Yes. And, and, you know, the, the, the truth is that you can get, you know, granted in this, in this particular moment, um, certain jobs are probably um, difficult to come by because of the, the economic slump that we're in. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, you know, at a certain point, you know, you can get a paycheck from one company or another and what is, what is going to make you want to work for that company? Well, it's because you're, you're motivated and you're, um, you understand what you what the contribution that you're making is, to the company and to your community or maybe even to the world
0: yeah no great point so you you've mentioned um culture and in brands already um uh, since uh, this podcast started so why do companies fail to build great brands and cultivate great cultures Well,
1: i think the kind of top reason is because it's hard (laughs) you know um it takes it takes a lot of work and i think that um you know uh we are as humans are ingrained to you know try to find the easiest way to do things and so whether it's um, building a great brand, and people think, well, if I just have really cool social media, or if I run a great ad, um, TV ad, that'll yeah. build my brand. And the same thing with culture, you know, as we talked about, oh, all I need to do is offer free yoga classes, <laughs> or, um, you know, it, it, those are easy things for leaders to think that they can use to build a brand or cultivate a culture. But those are, you know, just scratching at the surface. And in many ways, they, they really don't establish any kind of, um, competitive advantage or any kind of value that really means anything to customers or employees these days. I, I think that um, you know maybe part of our discussion earlier also ties into this that some some leaders probably think that um, culture and brand kind of grow organically, mm. and there's really nothing you can do about it, so you might as well just kind of, you know, just let it go and, and, and see what you end up with. But, but um, all the research that I've done, and if you look at some of the, you know, most admired companies in, 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 our, in the world right now, um, whether it's Amazon or, or Starbucks or Salesforce, Um, they the leaders of those organizations have deliberately built their brands and deliberately Mm -hmm. cultivated their cultures and that's part of the reason why they're so successful
0: yeah yeah i I was i was just thinking as you were saying that a, a purposeful culture like it sounds like uh in in the previous answer you were talking about how everybody does have a culture if whether they know it or not and and uh, it's, it's really hard to do these things and status quo is, is so much easier, even though it might not be what's best for business, but a purposeful uh, culture in the right direction for the right reason is, is, um, is the right thing for the organization and for the employees. But you know, if I was a um, somebody that was a, a C-suite um, who's trying to figure out a way to build this culture, but maybe trying to find a, get a way to get buy-in, what, what are some benefits of a healthy culture?
1: Well, I would say you know that when I when I think about a healthy culture, I think about a culture that um, is aligned and integrated with your brand and your so your overall ultra, overarching purpose and your values and your positioning and everything that you want to be known in the world, known by your customers mm-hmm. and the world by, is um, part of you know is reflected in and is manifested really in your culture. And so then when you have that fusion as my, as the book title talks about mm-hmm. that fusion of your brand and culture, then you get greater employee engagement. Like I said, mm-hmm. we, we just talked about, you know, people are motivated, motivated by a common purpose and it's easier to attract and retain people. Um, you also get greater workforce alignment because there is no confusion about what is the right thing to do. I mean, people don't waste time time, um, you know, or working at cross purposes. And then you also increase your competitive advantage because what you're doing is you're creating kind of intangible value for your employees, which then flows into your customers, that your competitors can't rip off. You know, these days, in most cases, You know, most products can be easily ripped off, and they are easily ripped off by your competitors. So what are you doing to create a unique value that is sustainable as an advantage? And then finally, you're able to pass the test of brand authenticity that mm-hmm. customers put on companies today. you know there like I said, there's so many choices out there and for customers, um, just as there are so many choices for employees. and so customers want to know that you are indeed on the inside, what you say you are on the outside, and mm-hmm. once they once they discover that you're authentic, then they start to love, to trust you and then ultimately love you. So um, having this, this healthy culture that is integrated in the line with your brand really affects every aspect of your organization and every aspect of your business results. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud but with so many options to choose from. How do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com. Or find a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, who's actually responsible for building this healthy culture? You know, maybe some people are thinking, hey, it's, it's the C-suite because they're the ones that are at the top. They're making the leadership decisions. And maybe the C-suite are saying, hey, no, it's, it's everybody else involved. They all have a, a play in it. But uh, from your perspective, who is responsible for building this healthy culture?
1: I do think that it is everyone within an organization. Now, to my earlier point, I think the top leadership of the organization needs to make it a priority Mm -hmm. and needs to devote the resources and attention to it. Um, And then most likely, either your human resources or if you have an employee experience group are going to be putting in many of the programs and um, processes to um, support your culture, but really it's everybody in the organization. You know, um, uh, I think middle level managers tend to be overlooked when it comes to these kinds of efforts like culture building where, they, where I think many organizations will say, well, if we get our top leadership aligned and, you know, we get our frontline employees excited, then we're great. But mm-hmm. the, these middle-level managers make a lot, shape a lot of the day-to-day experience. That an employee has, and so they really are, um, are have so much influence on the kind of culture that is cultivated. And so, you know, I think it would be um, it is a mistake to kind of overlook the importance of those managers and really everyone in in the organization. You know, I talk about building healthy culture is, is um, needing to to design your organizational organization and run your processes. Um, in line with your desired culture, well, that pretty much involves pretty much everyone in the organization in terms of your operations, so it really is something that um, the entire company or the entire organization has to have a, has to feel like they have a stake in it
0: yep, no great great point so. What, what companies, you've obviously worked with a, a lot of organizations, um, a lot of successful organizations, but um, maybe even some that you have or haven't worked with, which companies are doing it really well and building this healthy culture?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I'll talk about two. One is a consumer company. The other is a B2B. Um, and I think I mentioned both of them just in, in, in passing earlier. But one is Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think from, talking about, you know, having an overarching purpose, I think that, you know, Starbucks' mission is really to, in, in, I think, nurture the human spirit or uh, some language around that. And um, they mean that not only for their guests and the communities that they operate in, but also for their employees. And so they, I, my sense in all the research I've done on Starbucks shows that they have really made a point to engage their employees um, again, from the you know corporate to restaurant to yeah location managers to frontline employees with that purpose of of um, nurturing the human spirit and really making the Starbucks experience something that is truly special for. Customers as well as for employees, so they have you know great benefits like they pay for their um, education, they have stock yeah. options, um, health coverage, etc. Um, so you know, I I think that's a great like consumer example. Um, on the B two B side, Salesforce sticks out to me because um, Mark Benioff I think has run that company with a clear sense of values and purpose, and um, you know they. And it's not just fluff. You know, I think, that, for example, um, they have, have had a real push towards diversity and inclusion in
0: mm-hmm. their
1: culture for a long time. But um, several years ago, uh, a couple of female leaders brought to, to, to Mark's attention that among the leadership ranks, the representation of women was much lower than uh, within the rest of the company. Mm-hmm. And once they did research to under, to really verify that and understand why it was happening, they put into, pl- into place a program and a plan to increase the diversity, uh, at least in gender of, of their leadership ranks. And so um they, you know, when you're talking about selling software or a technology platform, it's sometimes hard to think about, you know, what kind of culture you could really be supporting that. But I Mm. think that um, the reason why the company has been able to grow so quickly is because uh, everyone has been aligned and motivated and uh, feels engaged.
0: Right. Yeah. So um, we, we kind of talked about, uh, the, the fusion right it 's the intersection between brand and culture, so how do companies find that intersection between brand and culture mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I, well I will say that y- there are two ways you can just start with your brand or you can start with your culture mm-hmm. most of the um, of the book Fusion talks to leaders and organizations that start with the brand because what I found is that um, most organizations have a pretty clear sense of the you know, unique selling proposition or the unique positioning or you know, kind of the unique, unique brand strategy that they, that they want, um, that they are working towards so that they can stand for something in the marketplace. And, but, but they have much less clarity about, okay, how do we cultivate a culture to get us there. Or even they, might even, not even they might not even think about, oh, we need to cultivate a culture to get us there. So, um, you know, I talk about really needing to take the time to assess where are you on the spectrum of brand culture fusion? And it actually created an online assessment. It's a free Mm -hmm. tool that people can take to help identify what kind of culture do they really need in order to align with their brand. And um, maybe I can go ahead and give that to you next. You can put Mm -hmm. it um, as a link so people can look at that. Um, There are some companies that have a much um, clearer, stronger sense of their culture and maybe not so much about their brand. Um, and that tends to be maybe more in, in um, yeah, B2B, industrial kinds of um, sectors, where um, brand sometimes is not very well-defined or well-valued. And in that case, you, know, you can start with your culture and try to bring what is so special and unique about the way that you engage your employees into the way that you engage customers and in that way you are building your brand by starting with your culture but either way the the key is to have these two things you know kind of in lockstep um, and as i said before kind of mutually reinforcing that you know a definitive differentiated brand can lead to a de- definitive differentiated culture and an extraordinary culture can support and advance an extraordinary
0: brand. Yeah, it, it sounds sounds awesome and, and a whole lot of work. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, 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 I recommend uh, uh, digging deep into the Fusion book. But um, speaking of the book, you know, inside, um, and one of the sentences that you said, and, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, is uh, leading companies are able to deliver superior customer experience because they weave them together with employee experience. Uh, Can you explain a little bit about what your thoughts are on that?
1: Sure. If you think about it, employees can and will only deliver experience to customers Mm -hmm. that they experience themselves. You know, you can't expect them to do anything else, really, because, uh, you know, you they need to be educated and, and engaged and equipped and empowered to deliver great customer experiences. But if they're not getting that same experience as an employee, there's this disconnect for them. Um, and so um, most companies do have a kind of, at this point, I should say, have a Fairly, you fairly know, good understanding of customer experience and what, what you need to do in order to design and manage a good customer experience. Well, you need to apply those same principles to your employee experience, and then make sure that they are integrated and aligned. You know? um, and, and I'm not just talking about, oh, you need to be nice to your employees so they'll be nice to your customers. I'm talking about things like, if you want your customer experience to be seamless and tech-enabled and intuitive, Mm-hmm. But everything you do with your employees is mm-hmm. bureaucratic and manual and slow. Employees mm-hmm. will never get what that is supposed to be like. and um, They won't develop the skills. They won't develop the appreciation of the, or the importance of it. But when you do cultivate an, or create an experience for employees that really represents what you expect them to do for customers, they kind of in, start to intuitively understand not only why it's important, but what needs to happen in order to make it Make it actually real for customers, and so that 's what I mean by needing to to apply the same design and management principles to employee experience and make sure that you are kind of again doing these in, in together customer and employee experience
0: yeah yeah our our mutual friend uh, Nate Brown uh, kind of had this mm-hmm. aha moment where he was talking to his employees and, and talking about this this button where you could. Um, navigate and, and being able to record or um, help understand the customer experience, and the employee stood up and said, "Hey, where's our button? How do we uh, have this aha moment? How do you? How do we treat um, our employees?" And he kind of, not necessarily, was dumbfounded, but it, he kind of get, was was taken aback. And um, he's he's uh, no longer works out of that organization, but um, he <laughs> is he is all about the the customer and all about the employee. And he even says. Happy employees equal happy customers. Uh so it's uh mm, it's always good to, to remind her, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, there's, there's a famous quote, uh, George Bernard Shaw, he, he famously said that the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Uh, so in the book, you, you, <laughs> why, well, you talked about the importance of communication. I think, uh, I don't have it on my notes, but I believe it says communication, 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 uh, <laughs> three, three or four times. But why is communication so important?
1: Yeah, well, it's really the key to leadership. In fact, um, another quote that I love is from Kip Tyndall, who was the founder of the Container Store. And he says, you know, leadership is communication. You know, I think that, and that really, I mean, y- leaders can't just be all talk, but I think their leadership starts with communication. It starts with being able to tell people um, to, to paint a vision for what the future is going to be, and to show why your purpose matters, and to help people understand why your core val- how your core values will impact the business and lead to the results you're looking for. You can't expect your employees to just kind of get it, or mm-hmm. or yeah, um, or, or and or embrace it. Really, I think that you know, it's responsibility of a leader to make sure that they're communication really engages people it's um and you know i think uh as as leaders, you can probably get really sick and tired of hearing yourself say the same thing over <laughs> and over again. But the truth is that people need to hear something at least three times in order for them to, to get it. And then especially if you are um, have had different initiatives or different efforts in the past um, that have maybe not been successful or not seen through, it's going to take a lot more for your employees to believe you that this is something that's important and that they should get on board with. So I think, just the more that you can communicate, the better. But I will say an important aspect of communication is two-way, right? So it's yeah. not just the leader talking and sharing. It's also the leader listening and, and understanding and developing empathy for their employees. And in that way, I think you, you build that, that trust and that bond and that alignment that is so critical to your organization.
0: Hmm. That is well, well said. So I I actually wrap up every podcast with two questions for every guest. And, And the two questions are this, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second question is, if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals, what would it say?
1: Oh wow. Okay. So, um, worker person, I'm probably going to have to um be kind of um very ex- expected in this, but um I recently read the book How to Be Anti-Racist. It's one of the top best coming out of all of the um concerns over racism and social injustice. Um it's by a, Ibram Kendi. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just opened my eyes to the importance of not just being not racist, but how if we want to change the, the if we want to change the infrastructure, the systems, the society that produces racism, we have to be anti-racist. And so it's just a real. Um, Eye opener for me. Um, I won't say that I agree with everything that he wrote. I mean, obviously, people aren't going to agree with everything I write, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, in, terms of, in terms of really educating me and enlightening me and, and making me want to learn more, I would just say it's a, it's a great book.
0: Okay. And then, if you could leave a yeah, note I mean, then, to all the to customer customers. service professionals, uh, and and everybody would hear it. Um, uh, what would it say?
1: Yeah. Probably something along the lines of remember this is humans to humans engagement, something like that. So I think that sometimes you know customer service professionals, um, you know if they are on the front lines talking to customers, it can be easy to forget that that's a real person on the other line, a real person like your mom or your daughter, and they deserve the, the respect and, the, and um, you know, the affirmation that all humans do. And in the same way, I think that if you are responsible for managing customer service um, frontline employees, You have to realize that they are human, too, and they have needs and and desires and expectations just like everyone else. And so, you know, um, customer service, customer experience is fundamentally a human interaction, and I just would want people to remember that
0: yeah no it's it's uh that's a great point you 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 never you no longer are doing business with a a number a, an account number a phone number a social security number but there is a person behind these numbers so um i i would hundred percent agree with you um for for the audience um you can connect with um denise on her website denise Lee Yon, and it's uh denise d e n i s e l e e dot mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn is Denise Lee Yon, same spelling. And then Twitter, it is also Denise Lee Yon. Uh, Denise, uh, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on the Press 1 for Nick podcast. I will make sure that the assessment is also included when I, when I post this out on social and other channels. And I, I really appreciate you joining me today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. I really enjoyed it.
0: Hey listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1forNick.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org
1: for more resources.